welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship gathering at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Please sit back and enjoy our teaching time now with Lead Pastor John Buckley. You'll take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 29. Uh, you can turn to page 320 and the Bible's in front of you if you'd like, or 1 Samuel 29. Something new we've done as well, if you have the Version Bible, it's a little brown Bible app if you have that, uh, we found out that they have an events section. If you go to the more section, which is in the bottom right-hand corner, click on that and go to the events, you can either hit in your area or you can go and type in Upper Perk, but actually um, the whole sermon outline and the passage is on that as well. So we're going to show you in a couple weeks how to do that for those of you that are like me that need technological help. But uh, if you're quick at that, you can type in there, version, go to events and Upper Perk, and the outline for today's message is on there as well so that you have that at your fingertips or for further reference later on. It's hard to believe that in uh, two more weeks we'll be done, three, I guess not count, counting this week, two more weeks, we're going to be wrapping up First Samuel. We'll be wrapping up uh, our time in it. It's been a great journey. We went from, uh, you know, Bible passages of the New Testament that are more theologically deep, and uh, this has been a narrative journey that I believe we've all learned a lot from, especially with Saul and David's responses to God. This uh, rest of the summer, we're going to go into a uh, mini-series, so to speak, on some different parables of Jesus, and uh, then we'll uh, lay out what's going on in the fall as we get a little closer to that. But I want to make sure we understand kind of the context here. Today's message is entitled, His Amazing Grace. Now, if we're going to get this, we need to understand the time frame of what's happening. Last week, Ben preached and took us through 1 Samuel 28, and he really took us through the majority of it. We're going to go back and read the first couple verses as we start things today, because chapter 27 is really the precursor to what happened. Whatever the author of 1 Samuel decided, he put this kind of story of the night before the battle right there before chapter 29. 29 is we're right at the cusp of that battle, and then in chapter 30, we're going to see what happens. 30, 31, we get into a little bit more of the battle there. But in 1 Samuel 28, we see at the end, the end of the battle, to, or excuse me, the end of the situation that has been taking place where uh, David was with Achish, and this is what the Bible says in those first couple verses. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel, and Achish said to David, understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said to Achish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do, and Achish said to David, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now, if you weren't here when Brian preached that message that was in chapter 27, you're going to see that what happened there was that David went and left the kingdom of Israel because he was afraid and weary of being chased by Saul. He went into the land of the Philistines and created a partnership or an alliance with Achish. Achish was one of five what we'll call city mayors. There was five main cities in the nation of, Philistia, of the Philistia, and each of those five were the kings or they were the warlords or the mayors of those, of those areas, and they all had a segment of territory that they watched over. And when they went to war, all five of them gathered together to go against bigger enemies, bigger neighbors, that they needed more resources there to be able to take care of things. So that's who Achish is. Now remember, Achish is the same guy that David had gone to and acted like a crazy man when he realized that he was kind of getting scrutinized so that he could sneak out of the country, and he's back again. 
And it's just interesting to think about that because you have the whole trusting God part. And when I look at David and I go, David, God, right before that, twice, Saul had been laid right in front of you and you spared his life and you can see the way God watched over you. How come you took off right at like this pivotal time and you went to the nation of, of the Philistines who were your sworn enemies? We don't know the answer for that, but I do find this real quickly is that before I judge too harshly at others, I look back to the many times that I don't trust God the way that I should be trusting God. The things that I worry about that are out of my control. The things that I worry about when I've seen God at work and then a new situation comes up and it's as if God never worked the first time because I forget about it so easily. We fail to trust God in those situations. And we're going to read through this passage here now as we see the Philistine army getting ready to mobilize to get on the cusp of what we heard about through Samuel's revelation through the time in chapter 28 when he shared with Saul what was going to happen. And what was that? Saul, you're going to die, your sons are going to die, and the army's going to be wiped out. That's the battle that the Philistines are getting ready for, not knowing what was said to King Saul, but we are there now with David as the parade grounds are opened and the troops start to march by. And in this passage, this chapter here, the thing that resonated with me over and over and over again as I read it was God's grace. God's grace. And that's what we want to focus on today. So let's look at verse 1 there. We're going to read verses 1 to 5 to start with. And we're going to look at God's grace is seen in the unexpected. God's grace is seen in the unexpected. Now the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphek, and the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish, the commanders of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who's been with me now for days and years? It was about a year and four months. And since he destroyed, um, and since he deserted to me, I found no fault in him to this day. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him, and the commanders of the Philistines said to him, send that man back, that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him, which was Ziklag, a city in, the, in Philistia. He shall not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? Is not this David of whom they sing to one another and dance? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Interesting, that same song came back as a reminder back when David was acting crazy in Philistia before. David has this weird relationship with the land of the Philistines. And he's housed in Ziklag in a nation that he really shouldn't be at, running from an enemy that, would some, that God in his time would take out so that David could be the king. And it's in this scenario that we see that God's grace is seen in the unexpected. Now, I think it's interesting to note that the battle that was going to be taking place here that was going to destroy these individuals put David in the wrong place at the wrong time. We would call this the proverbial in between a rock and a hard place or a hard spot. Here's David. He's in the army of the Philistine nation, and what's happening? They're about to go, and what we know, because of what we've been told already, and see the Israelite army wiped out. 
That's a pretty precarious spot for David to be in. Now, no amount of sweet talking was going to get David out of this one. Now, it's interesting to note that as you look at the commentators, there's a big disparity on what people think was going on in David's mind. Some people feel like that based on chapter 27, that David was playing a game with Achish the whole time, because if you remember, he told Achish he was fighting against the the Israelites in Judah, when in essence he was taking on the other tribes who attacked Judah and also attacked the Philistines, the Amalekites and others that he was taking on, and he would just go back and tell um, Achish, hey, yeah, we went into this area down here in Judah, and they wiped out everybody so no word could get back to Achish. So some feel like David's continuing to play Achish here, and he's got this ulterior plan. And some feel like David had really bought into the whole concept that he was a part of the Philistines, which, by the way, reminds us all that there it can be a situation you can get yourself involved in where you think you're strong enough, but when you have this constant day-by-day bombarding of the world and the lures that are there and the entertainment and the acceptance that takes place there, all we have to do is look back to Lot, Lot started on the outside of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and when we see the angels appear to Abraham and actually go and confront Lot, he's actually a city leader in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's a long slide from being right underneath the wing of Abraham, serving Yahweh, God Jehovah, to be a leader in a pagan, wicked nation of Sodom and Gomorrah being the main cities of that area. So we're not sure. But really it doesn't matter whichever side he was on because the point is still this. David was in a spot that he could not humanly get himself out of. Yes, he was in the rear guard. He may have been called upon. He may not have. That was a question I'm certainly sure that was bouncing around in David's mind. But how do you get out of this situation here? What takes place when you're out of your depths? And that's when we see that God intervenes in unexpected people or from unexpected people. Here's David, he's stuck in this situation, it's a sticky situation, and I'm always amazed how God used sometimes the most unexpected people to still be used by his honor and glory. In fact, sometimes unexpected things. Remember back when the donkey spoke to Balaam? That's not something you hear every day. But there was other times, like when, when uh, God used the king, the, the, the king that had, had, had enslaved the Israelites, part of that dynasty, actually equipped Nehemiah to go back to build the temple and sent guards along with him. That doesn't make sense. Or how a king that enslaved the nations listened to Esther to not only uh, be, uh, um, free the Israelites from being killed, but he allowed them to fight back against the others and actually get reward from it. So you never know, and, and God has a lot of times in unexpected ways, people that he'll put into our lives that we just don't understand, but we see the grace of God. We were talking about this the other night at our Bible study, but I, I was reflecting back when I was in high school, there was a store I was going into as a teenager, and I was really involved in the youth group that was, when I was a teenager. I got a lot of identity there, and I, w- I went into the store, and I, I was in the store, and it, it, was not the, it wasn't a store I probably should have been in. It wasn't like it was illegal or anything. It was in a mall, but it was probably not a healthy store for a Christian to be in, and as I walked back out of it, there was this boy that I'd met a couple weeks ago that had visited our youth group. He went to the local high school. Um, his name was Charles, and he was standing outside the store, and I remember walking out, and he was there. I was like, hey, Charles, how you doing? And I just remember Charles looking at me, and he had this weird look on his face, and he said, wait a minute. What are you doing in that store? Christians shouldn't be in that store. Now, Charles wasn't a believer, (laughs) but man, I'll never forget that time how God used an unbeliever to remind me that I shouldn't have been there. 
but it's also a sign of God's grace because there was no permanent damage done. But it was a reminder to me about how God cares so much to even protect me in situations like that where I can become calloused to what I know I should do as a Christian. And God will oftentimes use unexpected people. In this case, he used the actual enemy of the Israelites, the other kings, lords, mayors, you know, warlords, whatever you might want to say, that were there. And they're all like, what's David doing here? That guy shouldn't be involved in here. He's, he's part of the other nation. Yeah, sure, we'll get out there. Here's the rear guard. He'll be used, and he'll really impress his king, his lord, because he can strike us from behind. There's no way. And in fact, isn't this the guy they all sing about how many of us he's killed? So God will oftentimes intervene in our life in unexpected people. The second thing I want you to notice here in this passage is that God intervenes in unexpected places. Again, here's David. He's marching, going out to war. He's going down the parade as the rest of the leaders watch that. And in the middle of that is when God shows up to provide a way out. And I'm amazed how God will use some unexpected places. Now, I'm aware, like many of you are, when I'm in the storms of life and I have nowhere else to turn and I cry out to God, I'm amazed at the people and the situations and the circumstances and the scriptures that God brings into my life to try to get my attention, to remind me about how big his grace is, to remind me about how much he cares about me. But it's interesting that there's oftentimes, it's in the most unexpected places that I'll oftentimes see the grace of God in the biggest ways. I've seen the grace of God in the middle of snowstorms. I've seen the grace of God in the middle of a park. I've seen the grace of God in a relationship situation. I can tell you, take you to places where I've had conflicts with people that in that situation I saw the grace of God in a blow away, in blow away type ways. And it's interesting to me that God has not only provided the enemy to be able to show his grace, but right in the middle of this army that he was on his way to help be a part of defeating his own countrymen, that God showed up. We don't always know where God's going to show up. And here's the saddest thing. Sometimes when God's grace shows up the greatest, it surprises us the greatest. We weren't ready for it. We were going on our own way. We were lost in our own sins. We were focused on our own agendas. And all of a sudden, God shows up in those times and shows us his grace. Again, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us what was going through David's mind. We just know where he was at, and we know who God used in his situation. Grace is what could have been the place of my destruction. Excuse me, grace oftentimes happens in the place that should have been my destruction, sometimes even after I've already messed up and God shows up. Think about that with Peter. Peter, Jesus is on trial, and the people and the places that Peter were used in Peter's life to show them what? That God wasn't finished with Peter. And when that cock crew crowed the third time and David immediately was struck with the, excuse me, Peter was immediately struck with the guilt of what he had done. It broke his heart about how he had turned his back on Christ. And that was the end of Peter's ministry. No. That was the beginning of a new chapter because Peter, in an unexpected place and from unexpected people, saw the grace of God in unexpected ways. And Peter was used by God, as we all know, to be one of the founders of the New Testament church and a vibrant and ardent disciple 
of Jesus Christ. Don't ever believe the lie of the devil that because you've done certain things that there is this line of no return. God's grace is always there for us, no matter what. And the last thing from this section, God intervenes so that his plan may unfold. We get tunnel vision in the midst of our challenges. Well, Lord, why me? Lord, why this? Lord, why here? And we forget in the midst of this, a lot of times God's gracious story for us is bigger than us. And that God will use people and places in our life to call us back to himself, to encourage us in our faith, to be there for us because we're part of this bigger tapestry of God's plan. And yet we get that tunnel vision sometimes. And that's where we get the woe is me and why me and we think I'm just this little person on this little speck of property. How significant could I be? That's what you don't know and that's why we surrender daily to say, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't understand why I have this illness. I don't understand why I'm in this difficult relationship. I don't understand why you have me in this church or in this neighborhood, this community, at this job or in this family. But God has a purpose and a reason. And his grace on your life is gonna be used to pour it out on other people's lives in ways that you don't expect to be used by him. He has a plan for us, and it's awesome to know that we are an important part of God's plan. We aren't one of those extra nuts or bolts that you find after you've put the bike together and it works just fine. (laughs) We are the important part, as he says in the word of God, like the body. And the brain has a part, and the toe has a part, and the hand has a part, and they all have a part, and God has you as a part of his plan. So let's look now to verse number six in 1 Samuel chapter 29, again, page 320. And let's read the rest of that passage. And then Achish called David and said to him, as the Lord lives, you've been honest, and to me it seems right that you should march out and, and, and excuse me, march out and in with me in the campaign. For I found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me to this day. Nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And David said to Achish, but what have I done? What, what have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? And Achish answered, as, and Achish answered David and said, I know that you are as blameless in my sight as the angel of God. Wow. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, he shall not go with us into battle. Now then, rise up early in the morning with the servants of your Lord who came with you and start early in the morning and depart as soon as you have light. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines, but the Philistines went up to Jezreel. There's a lot of stuff in this passage, mainly a conversation that takes place and actions that follow that. And that would lead us to the second part of our thoughts today on God's grace, because God's grace is seen in the daily lives that we live. God's grace is seen in the daily lives that we live. Now, again, this would come to the point of, was David pulling a fast one on Achish? Possibly. Was he so lured into this whole environment that he really was eager to be a part of pleasing Achish? Possibly. We don't know clearly. But I will say this, regardless of what David's intent was, he had made a profound impact on Achish. And we won't know until eternity the type of impact that Achish made. Because Achish in here even 
calls on or mentions God, Yahweh in here. Not just God as in a God, but Yahweh. An acknowledgement to David, which by the way in this passage is one of the few times God's even mentioned, and it's done by Achish to David about his life. And there's been times, folks, that I've messed up so big with some people that I think there's no way they could see God's grace, mercy, and love through my life. And I'm shocked down the, down the, in the years to come how many times that comes back in a resonating way that even in those small things God used me because God uses me in a bigger way than I ever feel able to be used myself and we are all in that same category. And as we daily live our lives, we will see the grace of God in our lives, in the lives that we live, in the way that we impact other people day by day. We also see his grace in the people that we touch. We talked about Achish already, but we don't know about the other Philistines in that city of Ziklag. We don't know about the other Philistines in the land that was, were there. We didn't know about how that impacted the Judahites who were being protected by David as he attacked the tribes that are around them at that time. See, again, a lot of times you might say, but wait a minute, you see him in our daily lives, but we see him in the people that we touch in, in our lives because oftentimes we're completely unaware of the way that God's at work in us and through us. See, if we'll go out day by day and, act and, and work in a way where we can act in obedience to what God wants us to do, you're gonna be shocked about the way God uses you. Sometimes it's by you acknowledging a fault that you've done. Hey, you know what? I really messed up here and I need to ask your forgiveness. That is very uncommon in our culture. We are much more like Saul than David where we blame everybody else rather than as David said, hey, I've sinned. And to acknowledge that, that is an amazing way how the grace of God can be shown as it worked in your life and as you take responsibility of that in somebody else's life as well. But we see his grace in the people that we touch. Sometimes we won't know that until the other side of heaven, and that's why we do it for obedience. Praise God that our lives are not judged by our days, but by our years. Praise God that our lives are not judged by our days, but by our years. Along life's way, we will blow it with certain people, some of which are irreparable, humanly speaking. I have blown it in ways in some people's lives that they will never, ever forgive me. I've asked for, for their forgiveness, but I can tell by the way they treat me that they never could quite come to a point of saying, I'm going to put that under the blood. Now, what's my response got to be to that? I got to be the loving child of God I need to be and be gracious and merciful. But it's hard when you know people won't forgive you. But that doesn't give us any excuse to throw in the towel and say, I'm just going to stop serving or ministering or offering grace to other people because God's the one that's at work in and through us. And thank God that he can work not only in us hour by hour, but day by day and year by year. We see his grace in the people we touch, we see his grace in the lives we live, and we see his grace in the mercy he offers. Now, let's differentiate between grace and mercy, because they're not the same. In fact, to summarize the difference, mercy is God not punishing us for the, our sins that we deserve to be punished for. And grace is God blessing even though we don't deserve it. Let me say it a different way. Mercy is deliverance from judgment and grace is extending kindness to the unworthy. We have all here experienced God's grace and mercy. 
and the fact that he sent his son on the cross to die that we might have life. That we didn't have to have the condemnation that came for any of those who reject Jesus. But that we can know personally that he is our Lord and he is our Savior. And no matter who you are here, if you sit here and you've never accepted Christ or you sit here as a Christian, we've all at some level experienced his mercy and grace in the world in which we live. And the things that we experience day by day or don't experience day by day. See, David sat at the edge of a life-changing moment. Even without his hand in killing Saul, he struggled during his whole reign with loyalty from the northern tribes of Israel because of their loyalty to Saul. Can you think what would have happened to the rest of his reign if he would have been in a situation where that would have never taken place? Where he would have never been able to go to them and call for their support in the situation? It would have been mind-blowing to see how that would have affected things. And can you imagine David living with the fact that he had been a part of the death of his friend Jonathan? Those would have been overwhelming, possibly, odds for him to face. God showed his grace and his mercy to David, and he does to us as well, not only for our salvation, but for our daily living. And we can thank God for that. David was stuck in a situation that he should have never been in. If he would have trusted God and stayed in Israel, it would have been wearying. It would have been tiresome. But God had already proven that he was going to take care of him and he was going to protect him. So David goes into the land of the Philistines. But even in the land of the Philistines where he shouldn't have been, he gained honor with one of the kings there. And in the midst of that, he gets himself in a really sticky situation that God, in his grace and his mercy, rescues him once again. For all of us, that should give us all a a sigh of relief that the God of the universe loves us so much that even in our stickiest situations, his grace is provided. At the point of salvation, and onward. So I have a couple takeaways for you to focus on. God's grace is still seen today. I I get weary sometimes when I hear people go, but that was back then, but that was back then, but that was in the Bible times. If you don't believe it, then I encourage you to open your eyes. Turn off the television, stop watching the news sites. I know all the horrible stuff that's on there all the time and it should force us in a position where our sympathies are extended and love is shown and prayers are brought up to our Lord. But folks, if you'll open your eyes, God is at work in mankind still today, not only in and through you, but in so many other ways. His grace is still seen today. Yeah, you're gonna still see the atrocities, but you'll also see grace in a new way if you'll open your eyes to how he's at work in the situations. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, I want to encourage you to accept Christ's gift. Accept his gift. He wants to be your savior. He loved you so much that he sent Christ to die on the cross. And all he asks of you is that you come to a point where you accept his gift of salvation so he can redeem your soul. If you have any questions about that, I would love an opportunity If you're a female, connect you with another female that can take the word of God and show you how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
The second thing I want you to consider is trust God's plan, or the third thing. His ways are best. I'm going to say that again. His ways are best. But Pastor John, do you know what just happened to me this last week? Do you know what I'm dealing with in my, in my marriage relationship, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my finances, my relationship at work? You have no idea. You are absolutely correct. I have no idea. But God does. And God is with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the word of God with his promises and he puts you in a community of believers for encouragement and guidance and protection. He loves us. So trust his plan. Does it make sense on paper? Not usually. Hey, got a great idea, Joshua. I'm gonna send you to this land with these huge giants and they got these massive armies and I want you to go, and there's a city that has walls that you can put three chariots across. That's how thick they are. There's actual apartments in these walls. And I want you to go there, and the way I want you to see the walls knocked down, Joshua, is I want you to walk around in complete silence. Looney Ben. Gideon. Yeah, you got this army, but you know what? It's about a third, excuse me, it's about a tenth the side of the army on the other side. So I got this great idea, God says to Gideon. I want you to take them, and I want you to parse them out and go and say, hey, anybody that's scared, you can leave, and three-quarters of his army leaves. Probably good to know, by the way. Oh, and by the way, it's still too big, so I want you to take them down to the river, and those are the guys that bring it up with their hand, the water with their, with their uh, hands. You keep them, the ones that stick their face in the water like a dog, you send them home. Now you've got 300 guys against an army of over 100,000. And now I've got even a better plan, Gideon. When you go out, you don't need to take swords. You take a torch and a pot and a horn. Looney Ben. Now, if you don't know those stories, God did a great work. And then God, through Jesus Christ, picked 12 disciples that most of you wouldn't hire to work for you. And he turned the world upside down. Because God's ways, no matter how, no matter how they don't make sense to us, are the best ways and we need to trust his plan and then I want you to reflect on his past grace remember his grace and embrace it folks we are so busy about worrying about the future and, and worrying about the things that we regret in the past that we can't enjoy today I deal with that all the time in my life but you gotta force yourself to stop and look back and remember the grace moments in your life. That's why we do the God story time here at church, because we want to hear what God's doing, because we forget way too easy. That's why God had us do communion, because we should never forget the power of our salvation, but we do. So would you take some time this week and remember the stories of its grace? When you know you didn't deserve anything and God sent that one text or that knock on your door or that check in the mail or that rainbow in the sky and you're reminded of God's grace. See, David experienced that in this chapter. It didn't look like it was gonna work out, but through God's grace, he stepped in. So we wrap up this sermon today. I just have a short little video I want you to 
think about as we consider God's grace, and then I'm going to wrap up in prayer, and the music team will come back up. So let's show that video. Grace can move mountains of guilt and shame. Grace can flood your days in the desert with streams of living water. Grace can bring you through the fire of adversity without the smell of smoke being upon you. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can only receive it because God is so glad to give it. Grace is an ocean without a shoreline. Grace has no limit. God's grace will give you a new beginning. God's grace is greater than your sin. God's grace is greater than all your faults and failures. And it's the only thing that can truly heal you. God's grace comes to even those that have not been faithful. God's grace comes to even those that have really not walked the way that they should walk. And yet His grace and His mercy is extended to every single person that will believe Him, that will come, that will humble themselves under His mighty hand. Lord, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for your, your love for mankind that does not deserve it. But in your grace, Father, you provided a way. Thank you for day by day providing for us. Thank you for the example of David, Lord, how you saved him in a spot he should have never been in, but you never gave up on him, Lord. God, thank you that you never give up on us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us on our worst days. Thank you for being there when our hearts just can't handle the pressures anymore. Thank you, God, for providing your grace to broken mankind. And Lord, again, I ask that there might even be one here that doesn't know you as Savior, that today would be their spiritual birthday. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here and they don't feel like they see your grace right now. Help them to reflect back. Lord, embrace them in a spiritual embrace. Bring things into their life even this week that will remind them of your immense love for them. We ask this in your precious name.